thus it begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you listen to it now, when you re-listen to it now, are there still, do you still find like new things in it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's one of those tracks where every time I listen to it, it, it sort of gets me into a flow, but then you can hear different things. Did you, did you hear different things? I don't know. That's why I was curious how, how you were hearing it, how you were listening to it. I think at this point I'm a bit numb already yeah. and I, I, I recall yeah. back to, yeah. to the time where I, I remember I told you that like oh this is the best work that I've done that definitely crossed my mind a lot of a lot of things were crossing my mind as I was re-listening to that I mean how do you feel about that statement today so I think one thing to note is that this was um this track was essentially written and composed in 2019 and it's pretty much the only track on the album that has remained intact right actually that is true yeah yeah, yeah. it's the, 100% accurate <laughs> yeah the composition has not been touched since 2019 and it's the only like artifact that stand stood the test of time <laughs> Mm, yeah, so how do you feel? How do you feel about it? You said, so in 2019, you were like, this is the best thing that I've ever made. Um, do you still stand by that? I think it's a good thing that I've made. I feel good about it. Definitely not the best. Okay, that's probably healthy. That's probably healthy. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I think what I was trying to say when, when I said like this was the best was that like I was really, really fond and I'm still really, really fond of this track. Yeah, and and how it came about. Um, how did it come about? Yeah. That's, so that's another thing I wanted yeah. to ask you. I wanted to ask you about the, the vivid conditions under which it was composed. I don't even remember. Like I, I know this came after we wrote four songs together like including yeah. the one for later yeah and then the three songs that we which we wrote after that and i remember like we having talked about like oh we might need an instrumental intro for it to like proceed and i remember like this was the impetus to compose a track that played that function as sort of an introduction to this world and now i remember the the first working title of late bloomer one of the very early first titles was who, who? yes with a question yes. mark yes yes yeah. uh, w h o i think that um struck me as a point of like okay i should write this to introduce the world that these characters are in um, and I was thinking of questions like, what is this landscape? What is this world? And I sort of wanted to search for something that wasn't so direct in terms of a narrative, in terms of like, oh, these two people are on a spaceship and they've crashed and they're at this like unknown planet that's undiscovered. And I, I think that's too direct and too specific. And so with the power and with the assistance of music, I think in music, like you don't really have to 
say and you can leave a lot for um, the listener's imagination and and their own perception of, of the sounds. And so that was what I wanted to do with this track. And for me, the feeling that it created was what I held on to and what I was really, really fond about. Yeah. In my humble opinion, I, I would I would say that uh, you were successful, right? In building a sense of introduction um, of landscape. Um, I think what it conjures up in the mind is really expands. Yeah, maybe an unnameable terrain. I remember one of the one of the comments from from our good friends. There were too many organic sounds. There were too many nature sounds, like too much water and fire. Yeah, I guess it. I guess it can it can sound conflicting, right? That that yeah, was something yeah. I picked up on again this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Do you feel like that's uh, something you've had to uh, negotiate for yourself, or you're just like that's just me, man? Not at all. <laughs> I think this is something that I, I, I definitely stood by and, and hence it's one of the tracks that, that has not even gone through like any changes apart from like mixing and yeah, so it's I mean I feel that it's it's a part of how I imagine um the sound world for this and I hate to use the word soundscape because for me it's more than that. It's the introduction to an larger story a larger journey that we're trying to tell on the album yeah i remember some of the unanimous comments were cinematic Mm -hmm. so i think it's not just me i think uh, at least with the few people that we've we've previewed this to um your work even in its sonic nature has a very visual element to mm. it I mean that's how I write to your to your instrumentals as well close my eyes and, <laughs> and try to uh, evoke um, or to concentrate on what it uh, pictorially it evokes within me I mean with this with with Ghost I, I imagine this it's it's orange it's vast um, there's like a monorail you know, that's just coursing through. Um, and the orange maybe could be, it could be a, it, it's not necessarily like a, a desert hue, but it could be from the sun. Um, yeah, that's just, it's just these images. I really like the the image of like monorail that you brought up. Like, because for, for me, Ghost is, um, oh yeah, so an interesting fact is the earlier title to Ghost is M. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we should at some point get into about yeah. all the original titles. Yeah, yeah. But I really like the idea of a monorail because I think for Ghosts, uh, musically, that was sort of the intention to just travel through this unending, unyielding landscape that didn't end, didn't stop. And you're just going through it. You're just like hurtling through it. Um, and I hate to... Um, associate any particular emotion or like to it because for me that is what you feel when you listen to the track and I don't I want to try not to inject yeah. that in yeah yeah 
I I I think that's the um potential uh downside to talking about your work, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um yeah. but I also think it's interesting for people to to hear. I'm really interested in what the what the reception yeah. is going to be. <laughs> I mean, we've heard it like, you know, 20, 50 times. Yeah. Um I wonder whether people will 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 feel like this is a progression of Mervyn Wong's over, you know, or whether they'll be able to sense uh that it that it predates it's a time travel <laughs> it's actually a time travel yeah. actually that's very true that's very interesting because yeah i i mean we wrote most of the tracks the music in 2019 and well mine yeah the, the stuff i rewrote uh i feel like actually the the bulk of the writing on the album as it exists today for me, happened twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Yeah, I do agree with that. I that there was a major like shift, I think, of maturity to your writing during that period. Yeah, yeah. But I would say it's interesting because the the main composition and and including your former like lyrics and writing like were done in twenty nineteen yes. when we were very we were both each very different people so it's interesting to see how that sits in the timeline and it's strange because late bloomer actually informed a lot of my later compositional styles ah. rather than like leading up to something like late bloomer yeah yeah, yeah so could you give an example of how what what were some things that led to future songwriting and composition. Okay, definitely with Late Bloomer. And and, and I, I remember how we started is that when we were working on those three songs together, which is now called uh, Gap, Play-Doh, and the end credit song for your film later, the idea was just to have fun. And I remember taking like those metal balls behind you, the recorder, um, and making like random sounds of it. I remember clearly like we were here in the studio and, and I was just like remarking to you like, oh, we can just make a track with like these metal balls. Like, like, and that became Play-Doh. Yes. And then I, re- I remember clearly also that like, I was like, oh yeah, even the recorder can do something. And then like I started blowing the recorder and that became the intro to Play-Doh. Yeah. yeah. That Usia influence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't intend it f- to be an Usia reference or, or a kind of like Eastern sort of like um, symbolism. It was kind of like a, oh, let me play the recorder and let me see like what kind of sounds can a recorder make and, and what will happen if we do this to the sound of the recorder. And then it became um, symbolic to that nature. Yeah. Which is interesting. Mm. Because we were just having fun or I was just having fun and then this sort of spirit like reminded me like again like why I'm doing music and mm. why I'm writing this. But I, I, I 
after ha- having known you and worked with you for so many years, right, Marvin, I still get the feeling that your work itself, your your work on your music itself is never labored. <laughs> I feel yeah, like yeah I remember talking to you about this. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's actually the easiest, most effortless, <laughs> most brainless part for you. It's the most is- instinctive. But it's the part that I love the most. So yeah. it's not necessarily work for me. It's it's just another thousand ways to make a light bulb. Yeah. And for me, you, you learn from like, oh, this doesn't work, but then this creates that. And oh, this way doesn't work, but then it informs this and then I can use it. And this two mistakes I can put together and it makes this. And then, so for me, it's it's a never ending playground. And that's why it's not laborious for me when it comes to like music, writing, composing, sound designing and airplane. And yeah, I was just wondering if you were gonna... With music making, with production, um, there's ample opportunity to embrace accident. And I feel it's like a canvas where you're painting and you, you never know what's going to happen. Or you, Your pain is the most interesting thing. Your palette is what is the most interesting thing. And that's why I don't want to restrict my palette to like oh these instruments the these synthesizers these machines or yeah it could be anything do you feel like you've left the field recordings behind is that something that you continue to use in your work the nature of how and and why i got into using field recordings and and i am still exploring these techniques today and and for me it's always like i said it's always about the the palette of sounds and letting your palette be as open as it can be and doesn't have to be a particular object or instrument or recording it can be anything and for me i'm always trying to find that constantly within the process so it's not so much about um mm. deciding whether to use few recordings or not for for me all sounds are few recordings including sounds in the studio and including artificial sounds they are few recordings to me as well it's how you treat them how you like employ them in the use of the composition yeah what are some of like the 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 more interesting or or unexpected sounds you've stumbled upon recently or even or even in in ghost like what what are some sounds you might want to call out so truth be told ghost is actually um production wise extremely simple because it's it's actually made up of um two sort of like a melody and a sort of like a counter melody and both are sort of like pet like textures that are very 
string heavy although although it's not exactly um a live like string kind of thing but it's made up of different like string instruments and string like synthesizers and it's th- these like two melodies that just um circle back round and round throughout the track and for me this is the monorail this is what sticks how do you feel about the title ghost this is something that I never asked you before, like, why Ghost? Mm. I really like it. I like it too. Yeah, yeah. The art of titling <laughs> tracks is a rather difficult one to it's, master. It's a unique poetry. Yeah. Because of like how, yes, you're titling an essence of the song, but you're trying to bottle an essence of a song. But also like when it comes out on the album in a certain order, it sort of has a certain flow to it. So it's a weird poetry. Yes. And also not to get too dramatic about it, but I feel like a title can also make or break a track. Or if, or if not, at least significantly influence like the experience of it right the reception yeah, of course that's the very first immediate experience the listener has with your work it's the title it's not even the sound not even like mm. the track or the song it's it's the title yeah and it's something that can't really be scienced <laughs> You know? There's no formula. Yeah, it's a, it's very much a, a feeling. So how do you end up with Ghost? I'll be honest, I can't quite recall how Ghost happened. I know we were struggling with the title. Because as you mentioned, the placeholder was M. And that was a legacy from the... Uh, first round of the album when the titles all happened to be names. So, oh yeah, oh, that's so forget, interesting. Yeah, did yeah. You forget that? No, no, I remember that, but just recalling that, like, yeah, that's yeah, extremely interesting actually. Because the tracks that we wrote were Penelope, Plato. Plato's the only one that that stayed. It's the only one that survived. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in terms of the titles. Yes, yeah. in yeah. terms of the titles. What were the other... It was like... Phoebe. Phoebe. Jade? Phoebe. Yes, Jade, which you just, which you just uh, uh, pulled out recently. Yeah, into uh, like a random Telegram channel that I created. Yeah, so I know that we were struggling... Marco. Yes, Marco, which became Retriever. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, all these... I guess that gives you a sense of why we might have wanted to name the album Who, right? Exactly. Oh, I've never thought about that. (laughs) Because it was all tied to identity. Yeah, people. uh, And and clearly about finding oneself. Characters, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And these names, they they were not orchestrated. Um, or they were not preconceived. They all just happened to be names that I had uh, incepted into the lyrics of each track. And 
And which you still can get some of those, which, which some of those still are in the current version of the track. I think most have been scrubbed, though. I think even Plato, the name oh, itself yeah, yeah. was taken you're right, out. You're but right, I did yeah. like yeah. the 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 questioning aspect um, yeah. of yeah. that name. Yeah. But back to Ghost. Yeah, so it's difficult for me because like Plato is Plato for me. And like yes. Penelope is Gap for me. Yes. Marco is Retriever. And Phoebe is like Lion. Lion. So it's funny because for the listener, they might interface with it like with its current title. But I interface and, and you, you were just bringing up the fact that like names have such a power to songs and tracks, right? So I interface with these songs through different names and like, it's kind of like a hidden spell to unlock. Like they say, like if you know the name of like a demon, like you have complete power over mm. this entity and things. So names have the idea is that names have a lot of power to them. Um, and yeah, it's strange. And so are you saying that it's like knowing a person before? Yeah. So they I, they've undergone some kind exactly. of transformation. So I think like these are our the tracks are like our friends also who have like Aww. undergone these transformation over like the past three years. Yeah. Yes, I will say gap. It took a while to <laughs> adjust to gap because we exactly, kept being like exactly. Penelope, Penelope, yeah, and yeah, exactly. And then we liked. We were so fond of Penelope. <laughs> And we were like, must we, must we? But yeah. it would be weird. We acknowledged weird to have that names. it would be yeah. we- just weird. I think that was, yeah, that was definitely more you. And I was definitely fine with like, Penelope? yeah, what yeah. must we put, change? Put my foot down. Yeah. yeah. Put my foot down. Yeah, because I, I believe in the sanctity of, yeah. and also yeah. for someone who has like zero contextual knowledge yeah. Yeah. to be like, and then they come across Gap and they're like, why is this called Penelope? I forget how Ghost... Uh, materialized but I did like what it could what it could represent which was um, this it it has this um, phantom um, gossamer insubstantial quality right and Maybe it could be about leaving something behind. Maybe it could be about um, finding something to have vanished or disappeared. It's funny because I, I never was able to put that into words. But yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with like what I was trying to write with the composition of, of the track. And... and that is a very apt description of like the intention of the music. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah I mean, you're, you're tunneling somewhere. Yeah. So you're leaving somewhere behind to get to somewhere else. But also, I know for myself, the process of writing those tracks was a process of lost and found and trying to, trying to figure out where one idea went yeah because it was always one of those it was like one of the settled tracks yes yeah yeah yeah. the anchors (laughs) the anchor and i mean what what a feeling right to be able to return to something and be able to sit back in contentment knowing 
no, that's done. I don't need to fiddle with anything. I think that was one of the first times where I started to practice this sort of mentality. Like once I'm, once I'm done with something, I'm done with something. Like it's mm. not that it cannot be better, but I, I appreciate it in its current form and that's the form that it um, materializes and that's it. Our experiences of, of reworking the album and each improving on our uh, respective crafts um, took different shapes. Mine was, uh, was rewriting. Uh, do you want to talk about what you, what you, you bolstered um, uh, yourself up in? I think it's for you, it's also, it's not just rewriting, but it's like discovering so much more within the rewriting. I think for me, it's finding that even deeper connection to um, what I'm feeling in that current moment and how best to convey it through the composition, um, be it through better. Um, mixing choices better, sound design better, writing techniques. Um, those are all technicalities to me and they all don't matter. Like in the end, it's are you able to express a certain feeling or, or invoke a certain feeling within your listener? I'm always trying to bridge that gap like closer and closer and closer. Mm. Yeah, I suppose it is under underplayed how, how integral mixing is to uh to a track to the production of a track and that's something i know firsthand that you uh you were working on there is the creative aspect to it and then there's the more technical aspect to it and then of course you usually you hand it off to a mixing engineer before it gets hand off to a mastering engineer and I think in this case for Late Bloomer is a little bit more unique where we worked with um, Kin Leon who was both our mix engineer and our mastering engineer and in particular the decision to sort of work with Kin Leon was to have someone that could have more of a creative hand in a process that's um, highly technical, but I think we both felt like it was really important to have someone who really understood the music and the intentions of the recordings, the performances, and how best to treat them in a way. And I always liken the process of what Kin Leon was able to achieve with the mixing and mastering for Late Bloomer as composing music and you hand off a score to musicians and a conductor and the conductor is the one that will sort of interpret your score so at that point of time your music is already composed it's done but within the performance of it there is some sort of like reinterpretation that um i think kinleon was like very successfully able to achieve so it it was still our songs, but it, in a way like polished up differently, and and it's kind of like when you hand off like a old piece of art to a gallery or museum, and they they sort of like reframe it, they they re restore it. 
Or how about this uh, script writer who hands off um, their script to an actor? Would you say that that's a or a, a even um, like like if you write a novel and you hand it off to your editor and uh, yeah, so I, I mean the editor does not make um, can give you creative suggestions, but does not like have a heavy hand in it. it might be more technical it might be more dramaturgical um but it's that kind of relationship that i really appreciated um with what um Kinyon was able to do and work together with us in terms of like producing the final product of late bloomer and i think that was a really really crucial aspect of it as well what's something else that you feel you want to address about ghost i mean for for me it's it's the most straightforward track in late bloomer and it is what it is it is what it is <laughs> yes <laughs>